Our sermon text this morning is Numbers 1, 1 through 46. Here's the word of God. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names every male head by head, from twenty years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war. You and Aaron shall list them company by company. And there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each man being the head of the house of his fathers. And these are the names of the men who shall assist you. From Reuben, Eliezer, the son of Shadur. From Simeon, Shalumiel, the son of Zerushaddai. From Judah, Nashon, the son of Amminadab. From Issachar, Nathanael, the son of Zuar. From Zebulon, Eliab, the son of Helon. From the sons of Joseph. From Ephraim, Elishima, the son of Amahud, And from Manasseh, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. From Benjamin, Abidin, the son of Gideonai. From Dan, Ahizer, the son of Amishadai. From Asher, Pagiel, the son of Akron. From Gad, Eliasaph, the son of Deuel. From Naphtali, Ahiro, the son of Enan. These were the ones chosen from the congregation, the chiefs of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named, and on the first day of the second month, they assembled the whole congregation together who registered themselves by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names from twenty years old and upward, head by head, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he listed them in the wilderness of Sinai. The people of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, head by head, every male from twenty years old and upward, all who were able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Reuben were forty-six thousand five hundred. Of the people of Simeon, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, those of them who were listed according to the number of names, head by head, every male from twenty years old and upward, all who were able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. Of the people of Gad, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, all who were able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Gad, 45,650. Of the people of Judah, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. Of the people of Issachar, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Issachar were 54,400. Of the people of Zebulon, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Zebulon were 57,400. Of the people of Joseph, namely of the people of Ephraim, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribes of Ephraim were 40,500. Of the people of Manasseh, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. Of the people of Benjamin. Their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400. Of the people of Dan, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names of 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Dan were 62,700. Of the people of Asher, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Asher were 41,500. Of the people of Naphtali, their generations, by their clans, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war, those listed of the tribe of Naphtali were 54, 53,400. These are those who were listed 
whom Moses and Aaron listed with the help of the chiefs of Israel, 12 men, each representing his father's house. So all those listed of the people of Israel, by their father's houses, from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war in Israel, all those listed were 603,550. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every single word that you have inspired and recorded and preserved for us. And we pray that you would, uh, that you would prepare us, equip us for righteousness, that you would sanctify us through your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I need a drink. As you can see, today is our first sermon in our series of sermons through the book of Numbers. I was going to introduce this series, this, this journey through the book of Numbers. I was going to, to have the first sermon be like this um, explanation sermon, this introduction sermon, this, um, this why are we going to preach through Numbers kind of sermon. Here's why Numbers is important. That's what I was going to do first. Um, but the more I thought about that, I'm like, eh, we don't need to do that. We don't, we don't need to do that. Um, most of you, probably all of you, when you heard we we're going to preach through Numbers, you said, well, all right, Numbers is a book in the Bible. Let's, let's do it. Let's see what's in there. I mean, I don't, I don't think I need to convince you that the book of Numbers is important. I actually think that as we go through this, even if, you're, even if you're a little bit on the fence right now, I think that as we go through the book of Numbers, week by week, verse by verse, um, I think you will see why it's important. Um, and I, I think God will make that clear to us. I don't think we need to make the Word of God relevant. I think we just need to look at the Word of God and see how relevant it is. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through, and, and we're going to start right here. We're just going to jump in. Jump right into the book of Numbers and see what chapter 1 has to say to us. Um, you probably noticed as I was reading, and I want to thank my children for all the time that we spent in Dr. Seuss, getting me ready for this moment in my life, getting me ready to read through the book, chapter 1 of the book of Numbers. Um, I, you probably noticed we did a lot of counting. A lot of counting. A lot of people were counted in this first chapter. See, what's happening is it's been about a year since God has rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt. Um, He has designed a tent, a tabernacle for them so that he can be with them in the wilderness. They're going to take the, that tabernacle and with them wherever they go through the wilderness and, and God is going to be with them and God is going to take them to the promised land. He's getting them ready to enter the promised land. Now, they have to enter it by force. If you're familiar with this part of the story in the Old Testament, you know that that like the book of Joshua, they're taking the promised land by force. God is raising up an army. And so today, what they're doing in this chapter is they're taking a census of all the people to see um, what kind of army they have. How many men um, can serve in the army? How many soldiers do they have? So that's what what God is doing here in chapter 1. Don't you love numbers? 
Not, not the book of Numbers. I, I really hope that by the end of this journey, you will love the book of Numbers. But I just mean numbers themselves. Don't you love numbers? Aren't you a big numbers person? You are. And maybe you're thinking, no, I'm not. Well, yes, you are. And maybe you're thinking, no, I'm not. Well, stop arguing with me for a moment and, and hear me out. You love numbers. If you're, a, if you're a sports fan, you love numbers. You love them. You love wins and losses. You love statistics. You love proving why your favorite player or your favorite team is better or more successful or deserves the Hall of Fame um, more than your, somebody else's favorite player or favorite team or whatever. You, you love numbers because they help you to validate your, your team that you love. If you're, a, um, if you're a history nerd like me, I love history, we wouldn't be able to study history without numbers. How many wives did King Henry VIII have? How many people died in the Civil War? If we don't, if we don't have numbers at our disposal, then we don't know just how horrible like the Spanish flu was. We don't know how, how awful World War I was. We don't know unless we have numbers. I, I love um, polls, like research data. I, I love, I've been studying a lot of different things lately. I, and when, like when the primary or when the general election come around in, in uh, November, I'll stay up late that night watching the returns, seeing which states, which counties voted for which candidate, who got the electoral votes. We love numbers. We love numbers. If you're one of those people who loves to go hunting, right? So I'm not, I'm not among your number, but I, if you love hunting, that's good. That's, that's, that's nice for you. But you can come to me and you can say, you know, you, you shot a 12.200 pound buck from 100 yards away with a 30-30, whatever, and you had to drag it 14 miles, I don't, whatever, you, you just, it's all numbers. You're going to give me a whole bunch of numbers. This is how we make sense of the world. My mom, who doesn't like any of the things I just talked about, it, it, after um, my wife has a baby, um, and I, I'll call my mom, and my mom asks me for numbers. How much the baby weigh? How many inches? How many hours was Denise in labor? You know, and, and, and when was the baby born? How come it's been five hours since, since the baby was born and you waited that long to call me? You know, everything's numbers. It's number, number, numbers. This is how we make sense of the world. These numbers here, in this passage, they help us to make sense of the world. The counting that God does in this chapter helps us to make sense of our world. Because this, the counting here is going to give us four really important reminders. Right? There's four really important reminders in this chapter that will help us as we go forward. They will help us make sense of our world as well. Four really important reminders. Let's think about these together. The first, first reminder we have is these numbers, here in Numbers chapter 1, these numbers remind us that it is good to count heads. It is good to count heads. One of the big reasons why God is having Moses number His people, because these are His people. These are God's people. God is their shepherd. This is what a shepherd does. This is what caring for people looks like. If you love your people, you are going to do a lot of head counting. 
Teachers know this, right? Parents know this. I, I spent time as a youth pastor. I counted a lot of heads. Whenever my family and I go anywhere, especially if it's going to be some crowded area. We haven't gone to any crowded areas lately, but we will again someday. And when we go to a sports game, or we're going to hop on a subway, or we're going to go into a busy museum, we're going to go through a shopping mall, I'm always, I'm always doing a couple of, of uh, math facts in my head. I remember two math facts. One, I have six, chil- six children, and each of my children has one head. Right, So we're going anywhere. I've got six kids. Each kid has a head. And so I'm always doing, I'm always counting to six. I'm always looking around, counting to six, making sure that we haven't lost a child anywhere. Right? Making sure that our child is not straggling long, far behind, that they're not doing anything stupid, that they're safe and sound and they're with us. We're accounting for them. This is what, this is what parenting is. It's what, it's what shepherding is. It's what it means to care for people. So when God is doing this in the book of Numbers, chapter 1, He is showing you, hey, you are my people. I know, like, Craig Fisher is doing this. Craig Fisher has a Sunday school class in, in normal times. It meets here 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. Um, and it's got a, it's got a bunch of, a bunch of uh, people who he loves in it, and he can't be with them. He can't hang out with them every Sunday. And so he's calling on them. He's checking on them. He's making sure that they know that he's praying for them, that he cares for them. He's, he's counting heads. It's what a shepherd does. He's doing head counts. This is what it means to love people. And I, I want you to see this in this chapter. This is what God does for his people. This is what God does for you. God is saying to His people here, I know you. You, individually. I know you. I know your grandfather. I know, God says to them, I know where your piece of the promised land is. I know where your acres are in the promised land. And this is what God is saying to us in this passage as well. I know you. I know you. I know your story. And I know where your acres in the new heaven and the new earth are. I know where your parcel of land, the new heavens, the new earth is. I know you. As we think about that this morning, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful that no matter what is going on around us, God is counting heads. He knows His people. He knows where they came from, and He knows where they're headed. He knows us. And so let's be thankful for that. And then let's also think together Are there people that I need to be shepherding? Are there, is there some head counting that I need to do? Are there people in my life that it's really hard to keep track of them? It's really hard to keep up with them just because of all that's going on in the world right now. It's hard, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put forward the extra effort to connect with the people that I care for. Maybe I'm not responsible for them. Maybe I don't have any leadership over them, but I love them and I'm invested in them and I want them to know that they are loved and that God is shepherding them and He does know them and He is tracking them and I want them to know that. So let's think. This, this week, let's be thankful that God has counted our heads and let's be looking for ways that we can check in and care for the people in our life as well.
That's the first reminder. Second reminder from these numbers, from this counting, second reminder is these numbers remind us that people are either in or out. People are either in or out. Did you see who was counted here as we looked at these verses? Did you hear who was counted? The people of God. You know who wasn't counted? Everybody else. This chapter reminds us that there is, that there is a specific number of members in the family of God. At this moment, right now, there is a precise number of believers in the world. And you right now are either among that number or you are not. You are either in or you are out. It is good for us. This, this, this counting the people of God in this chapter is a good time for us to stop and to remember there's only one way that really matters for categorizing people. There's only one There's only one distinction that matters. We are either in Christ or we are not. We either belong to God or we do not. Jesus has said to us, you cannot belong to God unless you trust in Christ. He is the only way to the Father. He is it. There is no other way to be saved. If you are adopted into the family of God, if you're going to be part of His family, you must believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You must believe that Jesus is the only one who can pay for the sins that you have committed. And He has shown us on that cross that He will come to us and rescue us. He is our only hope in life and death. I sincerely hope you believed that. I pray that you have believed that. And like I try to often say, If you have any questions about that whatsoever, reach out to us. Connect to our, to to send a message to our Facebook page or send an email. Our our email addresses are on the Facebook page. Our phone number is on there. Connect with us. We can can help try to talk through any questions you have. If you've never believed the Gospel, believe it now. There There are only two kinds of people in the world. There's only one distinction that matters. We are either in Christ or we are not. And, and church, those who have believed, let's have some urgency about this. Let's have some clarity about this. Let's be urgent with the truth. Let's call people to believe the Gospel. So these numbers are good. This counting is good here in this chapter because it reminds us, one, it reminds us that, that head counting is good. Counting heads is good. It reminds us that there are only two people, two kinds of people in this world. The third thing it reminds us, these these numbers, number three, these numbers remind us that we are to be ready for war. We are to be ready for war. Over and over in this passage, it says, every man able to go to war. It says that over and over and over and over and over again. They are determining who among the people can go to war? That's who's being counted here. That's who's being separated out here. Those able to go to war. 
This reminds us that this is what following God means. I mean, we saw this in 2 Timothy, right? Paul is trying to get Timothy to think like a soldier. You're going to have to endure hardness like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to think like a soldier, Timothy. This is war. There's nothing easy about this. We have sinful flesh doesn't want us to trust and follow God. There, there are lies that Satan has built into the philosophy of this world, and those lies push hard against the Word of God. We are not going to drift into holiness. It is going to be hard. It's going to be war. This passage reminds us, this, this reminder here helps us to make sense of the world. Makes us, helps us to make sense of the world that we're living in right now. If you think that following Jesus is going to be easy, you will always be surprised. You will always be disappointed. Always. Because there aren't very many days here on earth where it's easy to follow Jesus. Where we go to bed at night, ah, that wasn't too hard. Yep, followed Jesus. Basically nailed it, knocked it out of the park. It's pretty easy. No. Nope. It's tiring. It's exhausting. It takes courage. It takes the courage of a soldier. People of God ought to be ready for war. Finally, number four, these numbers remind us that God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. I, I actually think that this is the main point of these verses. If I was only going to preach one point from this sermon, from this passage rather, this would be a one-point sermon, I, this would be the point. If you were going to back me to the corner and say, why is this chapter in the Bible? Why is this chapter in the Bible? And maybe, and maybe you, you, you try to read through the Bible in a year, and you, are, you get to numbers and your eyes start to glaze over and you ask yourself, why, why would God preserve this in His Word? Why is this here? If you had to back me into a corner and make me answer that question, I would say it's because of this. It reminds us that God keeps His promises. This is the big reason it's here. And I, and I also believe that the first three points sort of just support that. They're just, a, they're just sub-points of that, really. God counts heads because He keeps His promises. God's people are either in or out because God keeps His promises. God's people can go to war because God keeps His promises. See, there's a lot of people Smart people. People who are smarter than me, if you can believe it. There's people who are smarter than me, they exist, they're out there, and they disagree with me on this. There are people who, who, who are sure that the number that we listed here as we came to the end of our verses, um, all those who were listed in verse 26, all those who were listed were 603,550. There are people who are convinced that that number is way too high. That there's no way there could have been 600,000 fighting men. 
at this time in Israel's history. There is no way. They say something must have happened when, in, when they were recording this number. They must have gotten written down wrong. There's got to be a mistake here. And they have, they have decent reasons for why they think that, right? There are some questions. There are some questions about this large number. And if you Google it, you'd find some of the questions. And, and you know, they, they're legitimate questions. I have a one-word answer to all of those questions, though. One word is God. This is why I believe that these numbers are accurate. The main reason I believe that these numbers are accurate, and yes, I know that if they have 600,000 fighting men, that means there's, there's more than 2 million people total. And I know that just 400 years ago, the people of Israel, the people of God, consisted of Abraham I mean, I, and, and, and Sarah, his wife. I know that it started from two people 400 years ago, including years and years of slavery. I understand that it's a ridiculous number of people. I understand that. I also understand that God does ridiculous things all the time. That the Bible is full of miraculous things that God does because He wants to. God makes promises that no one else could keep. And God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 28. God promises to Abraham over and over. He says to Abraham, your people, are it's, counting your people is going to be like counting the sand on the seashore. It's going to be like looking up into the heavens and counting the stars. You're going to have a big family, Abraham. You're going to have a big family. And so when we see that beginning to happen here in, in Numbers, I believe it. Yeah, this is a crazy number of people. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's the point. God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. God says to Abraham, counting your descendants is going to be like going to the beach and counting the sand on the seashore. Good luck. You're going to have a big family, Abraham. And here we see, we open up the book of Numbers, we see the people as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And as we go through the book of Numbers, we're going to see this is, this is not the most efficient trip ever. This is one of the worst road trips ever. But we see as God is getting His people ready to enter the promised land, and He's counting them, we see God has kept His promise. God is keeping His promise. And then as New Testament believers, the Apostle Paul tells us that in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God find their yes and their amen. We have ridiculous promises from God. We have absurd promises from God. This is why we can suit up for any battle. This is why we can say, yes, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus this week, but I can do it. Because God keeps His promises. Because God keeps His promises. God has promised 
that He will give a way to escape temptation. God has promised that He has overcome the world. God has promised that He will comfort us in any kind of affliction. God has promised that He will work everything in our lives for our good and for His glory. God promises that He will complete the good work done in us and we will be with Him forever. He is fitting us for heaven. And we can look at the book of Numbers, we can look at chapter 1, and we can say, whoa, God keeps His promises. And I, I can look at just this past week the way the people of God have shown me, despite all that's going on, how the people of God have shown me the ways that the Gospel is changing them day in and day out. I don't think I've ever talked... I usually just try to talk about old people in my sermons. I've never talked about... Um, Becca Landfair before, and so I'm going to today because she loves attention. She loves it. And, um, and I didn't get permission. And so that's another reason I'm going to do it because if I would have asked for permission, it would have been no. So she sings every Sunday morning. And you can't see her. She's, she, you can hear her, but she's singing for the live stream every Sunday morning. And she has the same amount of joy on her face as if there's a bunch of people here with her. She's just happy because she loves what she's singing. She loves the God she's singing to. She loves the truths she's singing about. It's just obvious. It's just obvious the way that she sings. And I've seen that. And I've seen it in your life as well, in your generosity with each other, in your kindness with each other, in your, in your working hard to stay connected to each other. I've seen that God keeps His promises. If you look around the world, if you look around the world, this world is not set up as a great incubator, as a great laboratory, as a great growth place for the church of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of stuff in our world that's rooting against the Gospel. This is, not, this is not fertile ground for the Gospel. Anywhere on earth. It's just not. But God keeps His promises. My heart is not fertile ground for the Gospel. I'm a hard-hearted person. But God keeps His promises. And He keeps cranking on me. And He keeps giving me a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. God keeps His promises. And we know, and we know He's going to keep them to the end. And we know because, because Jesus Christ is the yes and the amen to all of God's promises to us. So we know that we can have a way of escape to temptation because Jesus Christ died for us. We, we know that, that in all things, God is going to work everything all things out for His glory and for our good. And we know that because Jesus died for us to ensure that it will happen. God's going to keep His promises. We can know that 
in any kind of affliction, we can have real comfort because of Jesus. We can know that in, that in any, any tribulation, any trial, we can run to Jesus because He has overcome the world. And, and we can know that one day we will be with Him forever. Because Jesus Christ has died. Jesus Christ has been raised again. Jesus Christ is the yes and the amen to all the promises of God. God will keep His promises. So church, let's do what these people did. Book of Numbers. They stood up to be counted. They stood up to be counted. They said, yes, we're in. We're in. We're in. Let's go to war. Let's do it. Tomorrow's Monday. Let's get up. Let's go. Let's go for it. Let's follow Jesus. Let's put on the whole armor of God. Let's believe the Gospel. Let's believe the promises of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for your word, we pray that you would, you would help us to believe, that you would help us to see your great grace in, in your word, that you, that you would help us, God, as we, are, as we are working through our week and we're trying to figure out what's going to happen next and when are we going to be through this stage of life, which is just really dragging us down. When, what, what's coming up next? How am I going to get from here to there? How can I do so with joy? I, please help us, God. As we're trying to figure that out, as we're trying to sort that out, I pray, God, that you would help us to remember you, you've, never, you've never dropped a promise. You've never broken a promise. Help us to see you are a promise-keeping, promise, you are a promise-fulfilling God. Help us to see that in the, in the people that, that, that we know love you and are being changed by you. Help us to be encouraged by that. Help us to see that in each other and be encouraged by it. Help us to see it in the world. How, how you are just still building your church in this world. Help us to see it. Help us to rejoice. Help us to see it in our own hearts. How you are moving us. You are moving us from, from apathy to joy. From laziness to service. From selfishness to love. Help us to see it, God. Help us to rejoice that you are a promise-keeping God. Help us to move forward believing. We thank you for this chapter. It helps us make sense of the world. Pray that you help us to believe your word Move forward by your grace. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen.